Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Life for Wired podcast, and thank you guys for joining us on this Sunday, July 24th. We've been really excited to announce our official partnership with the Nash Bar. You know, as you guys know, we've had both Hannah and Chad on the podcast talking all things about their product. And, you know, through our relationship and through talking, we decided that it just made a lot of sense for us to partner up because we just believe in so much that they're doing. We believe so much in their product. And the Nash Bar has really made a huge difference in our lives. And, you know, the Nash Bar is made with simple and nourishing ingredients, 20 grams of protein. It is naturally sweetened with honey and dates. And each batch is cold pressed, daily packaged and made fresh to order in Columbus, Ohio. And so using our code LIFEREWIRED10, first time customers will receive 10% off of their order. And as you guys know, we can't say enough good things about both Chad and Hannah, but also their product. You know, this is a delicious, delicious protein bar that I personally eat every single day. And I don't have to worry about BS ingredients and, and other additives and artificial sweeteners and all the many things that you see in protein bars, you know, across the market. So we are just super excited to have the Nash Bar and Chad and Hannah as an official partner of the Life for Wired podcast. And so on to today's episode, which is number 43, titled Inflammation and Why You Should Care. So to start this thing off, we kind of just want to break down, you know, what inflammation is in the first place. And so a lot of us, when we think of inflammation, we think of acute inflammation, which is essentially how our body fights infection. So in this type of context, inflammation is a good thing because it's protecting our body. That said, chronic inflammation, however, is different. Chronic inflammation can create the same reaction as acute inflammation, but it instead makes matters worse instead of better as it pertains to our health and our bodies. So when chronic inflammation persists, white blood cells flood the problem area of the body and end up attacking healthy tissues and healthy organs versus the infected area. And so this type of inflammation is not confined you know, to one particular place either. It can travel throughout the body and it can cause problems all over the place. And you know, this type of inflammation is essentially a breeding ground for all different types of disease. So if you're someone who gets you know, arthritis or heart disease, um, it, odds are chronic inflammation is a major contributor to these major diseases. And so today we're just gonna be breaking down some of the specific foods and habits that can cause chronic sustained inflammation and how you guys can drastically lessen the likelihood of experiencing major health risks and even potentially disease. Exactly. And we always say this, and I want to give a little bit of a disclaimer, like we're not going to put fear into you guys for these foods, but remember what you do most of the time outweighs what you do some of the time. So as we list off these inflammatory foods and inflammatory habits, like I said, we don't want to scare you, but just think about if my diet most of the week, like majority of the day, majority of the day, majority of the week are comprised of these inflammatory foods, it's time to scale things back. Like your future self will thank you because it will make you live a healthier and happier life and a longer life too. Um, So like we said, we believe in everything in moderation. So for example, we eat anti-inflammatory diet like all week. So like six out of seven days, I would say, we eat very anti-inflammatory foods like salmon, those healthy fats, super good for you to fight inflammation. But on the weekends, like last night, for example, if you saw our photo dumps from this weekend, we did go out for pizza, we had chorizo on it, and we had popcorn at the movie, we had a margarita at dinner. But old us, 
would have been eating processed meats all week long. We would have had multiple margaritas and that corn would have been sprinkled in throughout the week too. And with that compounding effect essentially of the inflammatory foods, it causes it to show up in your face. It shows up in your body. And a lot of times when we get people for coaching, they're chronically inflamed. They think they have so much weight to lose in their face and in their stomach. But most of the time, like once you start drinking water, eating a little bit better, like goal foods, anti-inflammatory foods, and eating those foods in moderation, your face shrinks. Your body starts to decrease that inflammation and it works itself out of your body and you look dramatically different just from making these small, tiny changes. So like I said, everything in moderation, you don't have to be perfect all the time to reap the, you know, the positive effects of anti-inflammatory foods. But what we do most of the week outweighs what we do some of the week, which is just one day. And that's where like a lot of you guys can even think to yourselves about how, how would you incorporate this? You know, how would we avoid some of these foods that we're going to talk about. And that's what you guys just always have to remind yourselves of is what you do most of the time matters most. And that's always going to outweigh, you know, the things that you do some of the time. So like Christina is saying, you know, we have worked really hard to ensure that, you know, we're putting the odds in our favor. You know, we're doing the right thing most of the time so that, you know, we aren't walking around chronically inflamed so that we are avoiding some of these long-term health risks by avoiding and letting you know those inflammatory inflammatory foods really dominate our diet and dominate our lives. And we're looking for pictures for today's podcast too because we want to compare what we looked like when we were eating mostly inflammatory foods to now. And in our face, like it is so noticeable. And I'm just like in awe about how wow. much of a difference it makes. <laughs> but you don't have to go from zero to 100 and remove every single food we list out like immediately. Right. Just look at your weekly food log and daily food log if you track. And start making 1% better swaps and moving more towards a mostly anti-inflammatory diet versus inflammatory. And a lot of the information we got today from studies and all this stuff, but I do want to just preface this by saying like Superhuman Book by Dave Asprey is amazing. I've been reading that like little by little. I'm going to warn you, it's very science heavy and it's a little bit of a tougher read. Just like I understand all the sciencey stuff from like getting my bachelor's in all of this stuff in nutrition and exercise. But I will say like, we're going to give you guys the cliff notes version. Cause that's what this podcast is for. We take everything we absorb and give it to you guys in a tangible form. But in his book, he talks about basically like the four killers and how we can prevent them. And one of those things is reducing inflammation in our body. That was one of the main things we can control in fighting off disease so we can live a longer and happier life. So according to Dave Asprey, these are the main causes of inflammation, and we're going to break down these inflammatory foods one by one here very soon. But eating too many inflammatory foods like sugar, processed vegetables, and not eating enough anti-inflammatory foods like vegetables, high-quality protein, healthy fats, like what do we talk about when we talk about goal foods? Protein, produce, you know, those healthy, complex carbs, vegetables, fruit, those are anti-inflammatory foods. So if you're eating goal foods and whole foods, most of the time, 80-20, I have a whole episode on, you know, balancing that. But if you're eating 80-20, you're mostly eating anti-inflammatory foods. And another thing that causes inflammation is lingering infection or injury. I feel like a lot of our generation, like, does not want to go to the doctor. So if you have an acute inflammation in your body, over time, your immune system is unable to heal it if you don't go and get it checked out. An injury, infection, something like that. So it's very common for the girls gut imbalance, too much bad bacteria in the gut. If you take antibiotics often and don't balance out your good bacteria with probiotics, it can be a huge driver of inflammation. And we're going to talk more about that later on. 
but stress. We had a whole episode about stress recently, but if your nervous system is mismanaged, if you have too much stress and the inflammation in your body is going to increase over time, basically what happens is your hormones like cortisol and your adrenal hormones get out of balance, which allows inflammation to just get out of control and just run through your body. Two more things that cause inflammation, toxins, that toxic buildup from just many things in life. There's so many toxins in like the products we use, especially women, like makeup, lotions, perfumes, like BPA lined, you know, containers and things like that. Well, even like, yeah, like our water and stuff, like in the contaminants that are in water filtration. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, we are loaded with toxins everywhere we turn. So this one can be tough to avoid, but, you know, using like simple, simple changes, like using the glass containers instead of the plastic, like really, really formula, formulating your life and, and your daily habits around using some of these things that don't contain the toxins can really make a big difference in the long term. Yeah. And when you don't take care of those toxins, they build up in fat cells actually, and they trigger the release of inflammation throughout your body. And last but not least, autoimmune disorders, when your immune system attacks healthy cells and tissues by mistake, it releases inflammation throughout your body, which can lead to more autoimmune digestive conditions. So basically, we're going to talk about how those main causes of inflammation can be avoided or reduced significantly by keeping an eye out for these trigger foods, well, inflammatory foods. Yeah, absolutely. And this really hits home with me because I think for a long time, you know, I was definitely consuming a much higher inflammatory diet than than what it is I'm consuming now. And we kind of, you know, laugh and joke about these things, Christina and I do, but these health concerns really are serious. And it's something that, you know, we just don't really think about. We were actually just talking right before we recorded this, you know, but just about the importance of this and how it's not spoken about enough, nearly enough. Um, and so, you know, we feel very motivated to get this information out because there are direct links to these habits and the things we consume to, you know, very life-threatening diseases that could pose, you know, serious health risks on us down the line. And so we always just want to make sure we are helping you guys kind of bulletproof your life and and just set yourselves up for the most amount of success when it comes to being healthy and being happy. And so doing one of the, by, by focusing on, you know, what it is you guys are consuming and avoiding some of these foods, you're going to be able to do those things. And so, you know, to Two ingredients that are very prominent in many of the foods that we consume are sugar and high fructose corn syrup. So sugar is easily one of the most common ingredients in our daily standard American diet. You know, it's almost in literally everything, especially in the things that we drink, which I don't think a lot of people think about. Um, And unfortunately, this substance can cause many harmful health concerns, including inflammation and risk of disease. And so research shows that individuals who consume foods such as donuts, cookies, cakes, chocolate, soda, fruit juice, and basically other sugary drinks have higher levels of uric acid in their bodies, which increases their insulin resistance and in turn increases inflammation, which could then lead to disease. So things such as table sugar, which is known as sucrose and high fructose corn syrup or HFCS are the two main types of added sugar in our Western diet that you guys can try to avoid. So these are things where you know you can look in the ingredients, you can just check, kind of regulate some of the things you guys are consuming and try to avoid a high consumption of 
sugar and of high fructose corn syrup. Obviously, like Christina said, you know, we still consume sugar from time to time. We just don't let it dominate our daily diet. And that's the biggest, I would say one of the biggest things you guys can take away from this is, you know, we live in a culture that sells on extremes. We're always kind of like weighing, you know, do we eat this thing? Do we not eat this thing? And it's all just comes down to really what you guys do most of the time. You know, we're constantly preaching that, but we can never say it enough because it's about what you do most of the time that's going to pose the biggest ramifications on your life, whether that be good or bad. And so you, we always want to make sure you guys are, are doing the things that are going to set yourselves up for success, not only in the short term, but also long term when it comes to your health and your overall happiness. And number two is artificial trans fat and saturated fats. So artificial trans fat is likely the unhealthiest fat that you can consume. And these are those liquid fats and they are liquid to give them more stability and more of a shelf life essentially. So as bad as it sounds, like most of what we consume, like in the aisles of the grocery store, like the goal of the people who produce those items is to keep it on the shelves as long as possible. And that the added things that are put into that product to increase the shelf life does not increase our <laughs> shelf life as humans. So just something to think about. So on ingredient list, trans fats are also often listed out as partially hydrogenated oils. So be mindful of reading your ingredient list and taking a look and making sure that you keep an eye out for hydrogenated oils, high fructose corn syrup. Most margarines contain trans fat and they're often added, like I said, to extend their shelf life. So if you're somebody who likes eating like red meat, which we do too, steak on occasion, but when we first met, we were eating steaks very often. And how you can kind of improve your inflammation in this scenario is decrease the amount of days you're eating red meat or the amount of meals you're eating it. If you're eating red meat for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, maybe reduce it to one meal. Um, we'll talk more about processed meats later on, but if you're someone who likes eating red meat, choose grass-fed over grain-fed uh, because they contain higher levels of anti-inflammatory omega-3 fatty acids, which are really important. Yeah, absolutely. And another thing that you guys should look out for that I know runs rampant in so many different foods, especially processed foods, are the vegetable and seed oils. So some scientists believe that vegetable oils such as soybean oil promote inflammation due to their very high omega-6 fatty acid content. And no, we're not talking about omega-3 fatty acids, which are actually good for you. So although, you know, very small amounts of dietary omega-6 fatty acids are necessary for the body, the typical Western diet obviously far exceeds this amount. You know, we are eating omega-6 fatty acids in very much so excess. And, you know, health professionals recommend eating more omega-3 rich to um, omega-6 style foods and so these are going to include you know fatty fish such as salmon um, which are going to give you those anti-inflammatory benefits of the omega-3s and if you guys can't get those omega-3s you know from eating fish and the you know such as salmon that we recommend all the time um, definitely look into supplementation there's plenty of supplements out there um, companies out there that offer omega-3s for supplementation um, so yeah Vegetables and seed oils are primarily used in cooking oils as well and are very common ingredients in like a lot of bagged chips. And so, you know, this is something I was even helping my parents become more aware of because they, they like to shop at, you know, Trader Joe's and Whole Foods and they like to buy a lot of these different, you know, health, quote unquote, healthy chips. And 
Um, you know, a lot of these chips actually contain like one of the main ingredients in a lot of these chips are, you know, the seed oils are your, you know, soybean oil. It's your sunflower oil, sunflower oil um, different vegetable and seed oils such as those. And those are ones that you guys really should be looking out for. And I know that, you know, chips and snacks and things like that can become a very prominent resource for our food and for our consumption. And so that's something that you guys just got to watch out for, because, you know, if we're, we're, we're pretty typically eating chips like every single day and they contain, you know, some of these oils that could lead to inflammation and could lead to these diseases, we should definitely be, you know, watching out for kind of the amount that we're consuming on a daily basis, on a weekly basis. It's just something that you guys should definitely be regulating and looking into. And it all falls back on reading the label. You know, me and Christina have talked about that time and time again on our social media and in this podcast, but we can't say that enough. You know, a lot of times we get so caught up in even people who are very, you know, health conscious can tend to focus more on, you know, the macros or the calories of the certain food that they're consuming when in reality, you know, some of these micronutrients and some of these smaller additives can play even a bigger role as it pertains to our long-term health. So just be mindful, guys. Always check the ingredients. Always be looking out for some of these vegetable and seed oils that may be in very common everyday foods that you consume. And the oils that we recommend, we switched from using um, certain oils to the healthy oils that a lot of these researchers recommend. And those are avocado oil, olive oil, and coconut oils too. We use like those three, like even MCTs and coffee too. But just be very mindful of like how you cook with them through reading a lot of nutrition books, I came to realize we were cooking steaks on a high heat with olive oil, which produces a lot of carcinogens, which is not good for you. So that is not a high heat oil you can use. So you can use olive oil for a lot of, you know, normal cooking, but with high heat, use avocado oil instead. And that's like, those are our two go-tos. It literally, yeah, and it literally says it on a lot of the avocado oil bottles. It says how they can be used for high heated cooking, essentially. Yeah. And aside from oils, something else to look out for, number four, is refined carbohydrates. And this is something you can look at from the perspective of complex carbs to simple carbs. And we'll get more into that. But carbohydrates often have a bad rap. Um, but the truth is not all carbs are problematic. The carbs we're talking about here are more simple carbs. So those refined carbohydrates like bakery, bread, muffins, packaged crackers, sugary cereals, those can cause inflammation. But the complex carbohydrates like whole grains, vegetables, and fruits actually help to lower inflammation. So those are complex carbs versus simple carbs that are processed essentially. So the reason refined carbohydrates are a problem with most of your carbohydrates are consumed from refined carbohydrates is that the fiber is removed and fiber helps promote fullness. It improves your blood sugar control and it also feeds the good bacteria in your gut. So if you're eating mostly refined carbs, then your inflammation is going to increase. Your gut bacteria is going to decrease the good gut bacteria that is, and it's going to cause issues like obesity. So basically in summary, really focus on high fiber, high complex carbohydrates that are unprocessed and that will help you reduce inflammation. But if most of your diet is made of simple carbs that increases your blood sugar, promotes inflammation and IBS, then that's when things are going to get unbalanced. So really think about like 80-20. We're not perfect all the time. Like we'll still eat, you know, chips and crackers from like our parents and stuff like that that aren't perfect, but we don't do that on a daily basis. We snack on like a lot of fruits and vegetables. We eat protein at every meal. We eat carbohydrates like quinoa, um, sweet potatoes, things like that that are whole grains, and then we'll have those simple carbs in moderation. Absolutely. 
which leads us to number five, which is processed meats. You know, we touched on this a little bit earlier, but consuming processed meat has been directly associated with increased risk of heart disease, diabetes, stomach, and colon cancer. And of all of these major diseases linked to processed meat consumption, it is associated the highest with colon cancer. And so, again, like Christina has said, you know, we still consume plenty of red meats. We just do so in way more moderation. And, you know, this specific point really hits home with me because I know, and I've talked about this time and time again, but, you know, my keto craze, that that certain time in my life where I was leaning more so into the, you know, fattier, higher protein style diet, and I was getting very much so caught up in consuming a lot of these more processed meats, you know, such as your sausages, your bacons, you know, ham, smoked meat, beef jerky, some deli meats, um, basically any of those more processed meats. And so the reason these can cause issues to your long-term health is because they contain AGEs or advanced glycation end products. And these are essentially formed by cooking meats and other foods at very high temperatures, which are known to cause inflammation. And so as we've said throughout this whole time, you know, we still consume these meats, guys. I know a lot of you are still going to want to consume some of these meats from time to time. Once again, just watch how much it's dominating your daily intake and your weekly intake because those things can't accumulate kind of like we've been saying. And we're definitely going to be posting and showing kind of how it impacted our lives and especially me, you know, the the way I look just in my face alone and the, in, the inflammation that I had just in my face, literally, um, from consuming such a highly processed diet when it comes to my protein consumption. And so it's just very easy to do, guys. It's very easy to run and fall down that, that rabbit hole where you are making foods such as, you know, the processed meats, a very focal point of your diet. And so, you know, I'm here to definitely say through living proof that, you know, definitely avoid letting that sort of thing dominate or letting this sort of food dominate your diet uh, because it, it will, you know, cause that inflammation. And we, we want to try to limit the amount of that chronic inflammation that occurs throughout our bodies so that we can eventually, you know, live longer, happier, healthier lives without, you know, dealing with diseases. And, and especially, you know, the most common one is it's linked to processed meat, which is colon cancer. So. On to number six. And you guys may get mad at us for this one. Um, excessive alcohol and emphasis on excessive alcohol intake. Because like I said, we still had a margarita last night, but in the years past, like the picture I'm showing before and after my inflammation, I was drinking probably 50% of the week and it wasn't really in moderation. It was like post-college. So now we make a really big point to decrease our alcohol intake for many reasons, not only mental health, but physical health too. And while moderate alcohol consumption can show some positive health benefits, you know, everyone always says like red wine is healthy for you. That is in moderation. And our country has a big problem with moderation. I feel like most countries like, you know, internationally, they can have red wine in moderation and it benefits them. But emphasis on moderate amount, anything more than that can cause severe health problems like increased inflammation. So over time, drinking heavily can develop Problems in your body with removing those toxins, and like I said, excess toxins produce inflammation. Alcohol produces toxins. It is a toxin in our body. So a lot of times when this is consumed in excess amounts, it can cause leaky gut syndrome, which I think a lot of women do struggle with. Like a lot of gut problems can stem from leaky gut, and that comes from drinking excessively, which can drive widespread inflammation throughout your body and can even cause organ damage. 
So gut health is one of the reasons why I started limiting my alcohol intake this year, not only for that reason, but also mental health. Like I feel so much better when I drink in moderation, which it, I'll explain here in a second what true moderation is, but we still drink from time to time, but we have less drinks on less occasions. And to decrease inflammation while still enjoying alcohol, you want to limit it to two standard drinks per day for men one for women. So obviously you're not going to be drinking every single day, but what I will say, like I've gone from drinking probably like five to six, like if we go out on a night to like two max and I feel pretty good. So just do 1% less than you're doing now and see how you feel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that that's, that's really crucial to understand is like, we're not telling you guys like, Hey, like if you're, if you are someone who does, you know, tend to drink more often, we're not telling you to completely stop that. Just try to be a little bit better. Like Christina's talking about, try to maybe lessen the total quantity when you go out, or maybe try to lessen the amount of days you are drinking. Cause at the end of the day, it, it all matters about how much total, like that's how you guys got to think about it. I know I used to think like, Oh, you know, I'm only going out one night, but if you're in that one night drinking 10 plus drinks, you know, it, it's, it's accumulating. Drinking one a day it's it's plus. the same as, yeah, <laughs> drinking one a day for the last 10 days. So once again, it's just good to be mindful of that total consumption. And so on to number seven, which is artificial additives and sweeteners. The reason for this is because artificial additives cannot be processed in your body. And so think of additives such as food coloring, which has been linked to hormonal dysfunction or emulsifying agents, which can can disrupt the makeup of your gut bacteria, which can eventually result in weight gain and inflammatory effects. So from the broad scope, you know, your body is going to try to fight these artificial substances and in turn will cause inflammation to occur. And so make sure to read the ingredient list and limit the number of artificial additives in your chosen foods, especially if you're someone who regularly is experiencing inflammation and bloating. And one last thing on this topic is you guys are probably going to notice, you know, a lot of different artificial additives and even sweeteners in things such as like your protein powders. This was one that was pretty eye opening to me and it's really, really difficult to avoid. Um, but just be mindful of it as always, just like anything else, like we've been talking about this whole time, check, be mindful, try not to let it dominate your life and your diet. Yeah, reading the ingredient list on your supplements is something that really changed the game for me. I was experiencing so much bloat and like gut health issues. And once I started making swaps of the supplements I was intaking, it made a world of a difference with how my inflammation decreased. Like when your body's constantly like fighting things off in your digestive system and your digestive tract, like it's going to show in your face, it's going to show in your body, it's going to make weight loss significantly harder. So that's a huge thing that changed the game for me. Uh, my biggest things like from this list was like finding the foods that are actually I'm intolerant to, which I've talked about plenty of times. I've been getting a lot of messages about what test I took and it is Everly Well. You can buy it at Target or on their website. So decreasing our alcohol intake, swapping out my supplements, reducing our processed meat intake. And then for me, finding out those foods I was intolerant to, like I feel and look like a different person Literally. in my eyes. <laughs> yeah, me too. I feel like I'm the same way. <laughs> Not to be dramatic, but we're completely different people now. But we want to send you guys off with some tips to decrease inflammation. So basically that comes from eating anti-inflammatory foods. We've been talking a lot about how our diet on a weekly basis is made up of anti-inflammatory foods, things like nuts, fruit, 
dark leafy greens, fatty fish. We've been on a huge salmon kick for a long time. I think that really helped us fight inflammation because it has those healthy omega-3s. Avocados, olive oil, turmeric is an awesome anti-inflammatory spice to add to like honestly anything. And also just like drinking water and moving your body helps work out inflammation too. So really eat these like whole foods, those goal foods we talk about, move your body, drink water most of the time. And then if you sprinkle in alcohol here and there, you sprinkle in bacon here and there, you sprinkle in these processed foods like once in a while, it's not going to cause like extreme ramifications for your health. But if you do that most of the time, then yes, it will. Exactly. So whether we realize it or not, we do in fact have much more control over our long-term health through what we consume daily in our diets. So to stay as healthy as possible, keep inflammation down by minimizing your consumption of foods that trigger it and lean into eating more anti-inflammatory foods such as the ones we suggested earlier. Exactly. And thank you guys for tuning in. We know this was a very like sciencey episode, but inflammation is more prominent than you realize in your body and in your health and can make your weight loss and fitness goals a lot easier to obtain once you get it under control. So don't forget to share this episode on your story with your main takeaway. Tag us on Instagram or the Life Rewired Instagram as well. We'll be linking all of the things we mentioned in the show notes below, our coaching applications, and our new podcast sponsor offer with Nash Nutrition down below with the link and code you guys can use. We'll also be doing an in-person workout on August 6th and Easton for anyone local to Columbus. You can come get a HIIT workout in with us. Both of us will be leading this class at Fabletics in Easton. You also get an exclusive discount afterwards. We do a workout for an hour, then we do like private shopping for an hour with a discount for coming to the event and all info for that and the link to RSVP will be below. It is a free event, but we just need a headcount basically so we can cap it at the capacity for the store. So big surprise and announcement for that too is Nash will be there as well. So we're so excited for you guys to get to meet Chad and Hannah in person, get to meet us in person, and you guys will also get an exclusive discount from Nash and samples of the bars that we talk so highly of as well. So be sure to head to the show notes. And also we have an episode with Nash if you want to hear more about them now that they are an official podcast partner. And that is episode 35 with co-founders of Nash. So we hope you guys have an amazing Sunday and we'll be seeing you next week. Peace out guys.